podcasting from inside the stash. I'm Jenny. I'm Nicole. And this is Stash and Burn. Hello, everyone. This is Nicole, and I'm here with a special episode. I had the opportunity this week to speak twice, actually, to Thea Coleman, who is September's featured hat designer. I had a technological issue on our first try, and so we were able to record. And um, I want to say up front that the recording is a little different than the recordings that Jenny and I usually do over Skype. It sounds much more Skypey, um, so you'll be able to, to really tell the sound quality difference. And there is a little bit of background noise that I didn't realize would get in there um, when John came home and was unpacking the groceries. So um, just um, know that I know that <laughs> up front. But the interview is so great that I hope you bear with it because Thea has a lot of interesting stuff to say about her design process that blew my mind. And um, I'm hoping now that we have her as a friend of the podcast that we will hear from her again. Um, and I'll be back at the end of the interview to wrap up. Hello, okay. Thea. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for your great patience. Um, we had a little technical difficulty earlier this week, but we are back and recording. And I'm really excited to have this month's um, hat featured hat designer, Thea Coleman, with me today on the podcast. I have to ask the first question, which is, what's in a name? Baby cocktails. Where did where did this come from? Uh, um, so it's sort of a happy accident. Um, I did not mean to have this business. I didn't mean to be doing this for a living in any way, shape, or form. But when I was living in my old neighborhood, we were a whole bunch of moms. And we were all sort of young, and these were our first kids, and most of the fathers in the neighborhood were working sort of late. And it was that time in the afternoon, that 4 to 5 o'clock time, when we would sort of all look at each other, and we would have drinks. And so it would kind of rotate from house to house, and it became known as baby cocktails. Like, <laughs> where are we having baby cocktails today? Because I'm going to, like, lose it if I don't see another grown-up. And so we would do that. And one of my very, very good friends, who's actually, um, I'm still good friends with her. She's the model for my Greyhound shawl that I just released. She and I both love thrift stores um, and finding things thrifted and rummage sales and all this stuff. And we were both a little bored. Um, we had both had previous careers. And we were sort of thinking of what kind of stuff we could do while we had these babies that we could do during the day. And our big idea was that we would take um, a couple hours in the morning, go to these thrift stores, buy used baby clothes. I was knitting a little bit and she had a number of sewing machines. Um, she just had them. And her plan was that we would sort of embellish the things that we would buy at the thrift stores. And then we would sell them at small little shops and because we were going to do all this work while we were all getting together drinking, we were going to rope in the other women. The name of that company, um, and I use company like seriously in air quotes there, like that. the name of that excuse to get together and hang out was going to be this little thing called Baby Cocktails, where we were going to make these little outfits and they were going to be adorable. And then we were going to go to some little shops and see if anyone would be willing to take them on and buy them. Um, so the first thing that we did was to get a domain name. And this was just around when it was like 2008, 2009, I think. And, you know, blogging was 
was coming up and I was knitting and I was like, well, you know what? I'll start the blog to figure out how this works. So I had the name www.babycocktails.com and I just started blogging. And I wasn't really blogging about the company. I was blogging about what I was, I don't even know what I was blogging about, but I started blogging. Um, we never ended up doing anything in terms of making this little business fly. We still got together all the time, but the sewing machines are still in her basement and we never went to the thrift store and bought baby clothes. But meanwhile, I started blogging and I started knitting and um, the blog just kind of remained baby cocktails. So the more I got into the knitting and then I started with the design, um, my first couple of designs were not named for cocktails at all. Um, it was a golden vintage cardigan. There was a free hat called a stashy hat and there was a sweater called lucky. And I don't even remember why I named lucky what it was. I do remember the golden vintage cardigans because it was gold yarn and it was supposed to look vintagey. But, um, I, I owned the, the blog and people were already reading it. And I didn't expect anybody to buy those first patterns, but they did. And then I sort of took a step back and I spent 12 years in ad agencies, my previous corporate life. So I didn't want to lose the name I already had. And I thought it was a pretty good little hook. And the truth is that um, it was a great name. In, in retrospect, even when people meet me, I was in a yarn shop this weekend dropping off sweaters for a trunk show. And people walked in and they were like, oh, yeah, this is Thea Coleman. And they're like, hi. And then they said, you know, baby cocktails. And they were like, oh, <laughs> because my name doesn't mean anything to 90% of the knitters out there. But the word baby cocktails isn't a word that you hear in any other context. Mm -hmm. So they remember it. And I kept it for that reason. I actually Googled baby cocktails and nothing, nothing ever comes up except for me. And, um, the funny thing about my name is if you Google Thea Coleman, there's a porn star by my name. Oh, jeez. So, so good decision it, there. It's better. And and it used to be that when you Googled my name, she would come up and I wouldn't. But over time, I think she's older and maybe, you know, slowing down. And I've had more blog posts and more sweaters and everything. So now I come up first. But if you Google my name and it's C-O-L-M-A-N without the E, She's still in there. So baby cocktails was a way better call. I think what that just shows is that knitting has become more popular than porn. I don't know <laughs> true on the internet. But it's interesting, let's though, just go with that. I think one time someone said to me um, that they thought every other blog was pretty much a knitting blog. This is a non-knitter. They just kept coming across knitting oh. blogs in all these contexts. They're like, I'm pretty sure every other blog that's out there is a knitting blog. I'm not sure that's exactly true anymore, but oh. certainly pre-Ravelry. They must not cook, though. Because oh, I got to say, yeah. there's a thousand cooking blogs, and being someone who follows a lot of cocktail recipes, mm -hmm. there's a thousand cocktail blogs out there. And those would be my big interest, so beyond that, I really don't <laughs> <book. laughs> can't tell you. Um so, so, yes, that's why the name exists, and it's pretty fortunate. How um, long have you been knitting? I learned to knit when I was in high school. I actually grew up in um, Princeton, New Jersey, and um, there was this little preppy store called H.P. Clayton um, in the main square in town, and these little lovely old ladies with 
you know, the woven bags and the whales on their pants and the ribbons in their hair. Um, downstairs was a fabric store. And all the teenagers, we used to go in there to buy the little preppy ribbons to tie on our hair. Mm-hmm. But they taught a knitting class down there. And when I would go in to buy my little ribbon, I saw the ladies and I learned, I, I took a class. I learned to knit. I didn't pick it up again, though. I knit myself a horrible sweater in high school. And then I knit, oh, a vest, a really bad vest, too. And then I really stopped. But after my older daughter was born, I picked it up again because I couldn't sit still at all of those kid-related things that we do. Mm-hmm. And to be able to knit in the bleachers or while waiting for the swim lessons or whatever was, excuse me, was perfect. So that was when I picked it back up. So it would be 16 years ago. So you used to live in San Francisco, so but you were already out in Boston by the time your daughter was born. Yeah, my daughter was born here. Okay. We got we were there for the testum and we got priced out. The same money that would buy us like a half of someone's garage in Coal Valley <laughs> bought me a two story condo in Charlestown. So we stayed here. Um and my family's here and my grandparents are here and my sister who's the model in a lot of my photos she was a teenager then and we've got a 16 year age gap so if I didn't come home when I came home I probably wouldn't even have the relationship with her that that I do or and my kids wouldn't have known their great-grandparents which they do which they did Um, so coming home is also about family so how does your design process work over the last couple of weeks we watched you knit a new design um, on our board and on your board as we as you held the naming contest. But I was wondering, did you already have the pattern written out? Were you thinking it out <laughs> as you go? How does uh, that work for you? Um, all right, the people that know me are already laughing. Um, I don't have a process. I creatively, I'm all over the board. I, I mean, I, I have I have business goals. I know what I want to do in terms of the great picture. I have a vague idea of what I want to do every year in terms of like this year I want to teach more, I want to travel more, or I definitely want to work with, you know, this type of yarn or that type of yarn. But when it comes to each project, I am very much a spur of the moment person. Um, in fact, it's one of the reasons that you have almost never seen me submit to magazines and other things because I don't think that far ahead. Or if I try and think that far ahead, it doesn't work. I trip myself up. I second guess everything. But, you know, actually a great example is um, is the, the hat because we talked. I had just gotten back from Europe. Um, I had family visiting. I mean, we talked. Like, I, had, I had a thousand things going on before the beginning of school. But I had this skein of yarn that I really liked. And when we sort of, you emailed me and I emailed you back and I was like, oh, I have an idea. Why? I, literally while I was typing was me coming up with, why don't I design a hat while we're doing this? And I'm looking at this blue skein of yarn over there that I thought was beautiful. And I was like, I can do it in that. <laughs> and I still didn't know what it was going to be until I started swatching it, which was you saw me swatching it. It was, mm-hmm. it was two weeks ago. Um, 
some things knit up super fast though. And that just, the yarn was beautiful and it came together. And I think I had maybe three or four false starts, but not a lot of false starts before I found one that I liked. And then I just went with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that particular design, my design process came from a conversation and some yarn and a made up deadline that we made up as we typed. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it comes from external places like I, um, I'll i contact a, a yarn person and say, you know, hey, I'd like to buy some of this or some of that. And in the case of Sweet Fiber, the um, the shawl that I just, it's not a shawl, it's sort of a big golden colored scarf. Um, I just released it, it's called Amber Ale um, last week. I had written to Melissa because she had, she had closed her shop temporarily in order to move. Um, and I wrote to her because I wanted to buy some of her worsted. I actually believe very strongly in supporting a lot of the smaller um, people who make yarn. I don't often ask for free yarn. When I contact somebody, I will buy it first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we have a relationship, then there's a lot of back and forth. But often I, I make a point of purchasing. So I contacted her to purchase yarn. And she said, oh, right, we've got this. You know, Let me send it to you. And the next thing I know, this giant box arrived full of like six different kinds of yarns in eight different kinds of, I mean, it was amazing. But having that box of yarn is what's going to spur on my next, I have three things I'm ready to knit in that because the yarn was there and it was beautiful. Um, I went to Squam last year. Uh, I was teaching in, in June and I picked up some yarn on the house mm-hmm. Um and I talked to Veronica briefly, and, and she was so nice. And um, and now I'm questioning whether I have her name right. So I'm sorry if I screwed that up just now, but I don't have any notes around me. But um, the yarn was beautiful, and I came home, and I swatched it, and I played with it. And I was looking in a magazine about three weeks ago, and there was a picture of something I love. And I'd already swatched this yarn, and I was like, you know what? What, what would it be like in this? Mm-hmm. So I swatched her yarn in that pattern and then I was like ooh and I sketched something out and I wrote to her and she was like yeah okay so I'm doing that but that came from a magazine and a chance meeting at Squam so they all kind of snowball from different places I guess it's interesting because you are incredibly prolific. I went and did a little count of the different types of of things that you have um, designed. You have 51 sweaters which I know I have over 100 designs. 123 designs, I believe is what it was. 51 sweaters and 31 hats. Those are your two big big categories. And actually 26 scarves or cowls. Hats are potato chips. I can knock one of those out in like two days and be happy. Um, Yeah, I I, I get that. I always (laughs) see, I I see things and I get excited and I want to do them. And for me, the other thing is I always want to try something new. When I see something that I haven't tried before, honestly, all of a sudden I want to try it. So, and that, that pertains to new methods of construction, as well as new kinds of yarn, as well as, you know, this kind of lace or that kind of something. I'm definitely not somebody who keeps, um, I, I don't like to fall into a rut. Like everything's never going to be all top down or mm-hmm. all seamed or all sat the shoulder. I just went through a little Elizabeth Zimmerman phase. Um, and now I'm trying something new. A design I'm working on right now is um, 
work from the bottom up and then you seam the shoulders and then you pick up short row seams mm-hmm. and you work work the seams as you create this, this and work the sleeves as you create the short rows. Mm-hmm. And I've never even done it before. Sweater's half knit. I'm going to make a little sample and like figure it out before mm-hmm. I do it on my own. But I'm learning on the go. And I think I'm a little um, impulsive and obsessive about things as I do them. So that maybe that's why I'm prolific. I just see something I want to do. I have to do it. I want to do it. So how does that translate to when you are actually writing the pattern? How how does that work? If you've just learned the technique, do you think that benefits you to have been sort of new? Oh, not at all. No, that makes my life miserable. And But what ends up happening is I, I don't write before I knit, first of all. Um, and I will, when I get to the sleeves, do a whole bunch of research. I will print out, um, in this case, there's, there's a couple of resources I've already tagged. I will print out other patterns that have used that similar technique and look at their measurements. You know, mm-hmm. like they think that on this, you know, the shoulder cap should be this wide or this wide or this wide. And then it's kind of the way I cook. I print out six recipes and then I make a mishmash of them. Um, and I will spend a lot of time on that piece of the math. I'd never... If you've ever made one of my sweaters, you'll see that things are not proportional the entire way through. Like I think some sizes need extra here or extra there and some sizes need less here or there. And so I have always sort of figured out bits and pieces of every design with a pencil and a piece of paper size by size by size, which is definitely not the most efficient way to do it. But it means that when I am learning a new technique, and then I'm branching it out for 10 sizes, I'm thinking about it in every size. And I also test knit the crap out of everything. I mean, I have right now in a sweater I'm doing, I have like 10 test knitters, and we all talk back and forth and do different sizes. And when they say things like, you know, the neckline on the size 48 is seeming a little big, I pull that size 48 out, and I play with it. And sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't, but I'm looking at all of the measurements. Like I said, not efficient at all. But, it sounds very intensive, but um, again, that sort of just speaks to your proficiency so, or your, your no, that how prolific, that you are able to be that prolific and have such an intense uh, work process. Well, you are looking at, you know, sweaters over like, what is it now, 2015, over six years. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, you know, it, 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 it's not like I'm, Pulling a sweater out of my. It's still a lot. I see there. I can't swear. Pulling a sweater out of my, like I'm out of pulling thin a sweater air. out every month, out of thin air every month. I mean, it it takes, and some take longer than others. Like this sweater, I don't know when it's going to be done. I probably won't write this one in four weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, from the time I start to finish, this might be like a three month project, whereas other ones will come will come quicker, and this one will go to the back. And that's the other reason I don't love, I do some things on deadline, but I don't love having a deadline because sometimes things come up. Mm-hmm. And I also do other things in my world besides knitting. Right. I know that's crazy, but I do. Well, it's just like any job. You can't only have your job. Right? Yes. Yes. And knitting's got a lot of creep. I yeah, mean, it's really hard. As a career, the balance 
is not the easy part. So no deadlines is good. Well, it makes me the the sweater of yours that right now I, I'm thinking about knitting is uh, Rolling Rock. I think we had an exchange about this and it's knit contiguously. And I, I thought I didn't realize that at first. I noticed it, I think, as I was we were recording the last podcast. And now hearing that you're trying a different technique of sleeves, I'm wondering, did, was that your first go around with contiguous or did um, you learn that on the I don't job? remember which came first. The chicken, it was, I did Rolling Rock. I did shaken and stirred, and I did. Um, There's one more, I think. I did. A, I had. A, I had a little. A little phase where I was playing with contiguous. I don't remember which one came first. And sometimes what I do is I make myself a really simple one too, which is what I did. I actually um, will just pull some stash yarn out, and I might only knit it down past the boobs, mm-hmm. but I will just play with it a few times to make sure I get the gist. Um, so it might have been my first pattern with contiguous. It wasn't my first time I ever, I mean, that would be ridiculous. And I would have, in a world like this, if I ever put anything out there like that without seriously figuring it out, I would have gotten 342 emails from 798 knitters, <laughs> uh, backwards, 798 emails from 342 knitters asking, you know, why this piece of it didn't work. So, but yeah, I did. I did have a little contiguous space. I'm doing a little more contiguous now. I, I do really like it. Um, I think, like any, you know, in my closet, I don't have sweaters that are all the same construction. So why would I want to make sweaters that are all the same construction? Sometimes I feel like A, and sometimes I feel like B. And some sweaters, if the math on the bottom of the sweater is very complicated, I would rather knit it bottom up so that I can figure things out in a circle and then decrease them away at the top. Mm-hmm. So sometimes top down or contiguous, you know, if I'm doing something that's lace, I don't want to have to have you guys increasing in the lace pattern out of the contiguous shoulders. Mm-hmm. So different techniques um, serve different purposes in terms of making things easy, A, to explain and B, to knit, right? Yeah, so that's interesting. And as I'm thinking about Rolling Rock, I'm seeing, I'm thinking, oh, this might be how you constructed it because the the lace part of Rolling Rock starts after all of the increasing in the shoulders. You're brilliant. Yeah, and and it looks. I, I've always myself thought that the that lace looks like beer bubbles, right? So it's it's it, they're the green bottles out of Latrobe, PA. Like as soon as I saw that, that is a Rolling Rock, especially in that. that Yarn. Yeah, that green yarn was is very much the color of those bottles. Um, and I do use my patterns as excuses to buy things. <laughs> so that, you know, I needed a six-pack of rolling rock. And there we go. So you've talked about the different kinds of construction. You play with different construction that they are um, better for some things than others. But I'm curious if you feel like your style has changed since you started designing. If there are... I would hope so. I mean, I would hate for everything. I mean, I, I don't know. I I have friends who say, oh, that looks like something of yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure I always know what that means because I see so many of the smaller nuances of different things I do. Um, I, I know that I have an aesthetic that I like. Um, I, I, I get bored. 
by things that are super, super simple, I, I will probably not publish anything that's just a plain stock in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, it would be really easy. It would make my life so simple if I could, if I put something like that out. But, um, I sort of feel like those things exist and that's not what people would want from me anyways. Um, I do think that I'm evolving in terms of trying more things, things that are a little bit more complicated in, in terms of what I've been trying to learn, like these set in mm-hmm. place or like the contiguous shoulders. In the very beginning, I did mostly raglans. Um, I didn't, I didn't play with a lot of that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope I'm evolving. <laughs> I really do. Um, I always try and look for something I haven't seen before. Um, I am trying to expand and use more types of techniques and types of yarns, um, things, fibers and weights and things that I haven't used before. Like I just, um, I, I knew that Brooklyn Tweed's quarry was coming because mm-hmm. I had a inside birdie a while ago and um, I made a, a sweater out of that and I had never done a big bulky pullover before. Um, it was something that sort of, I didn't think I could do it in a flattering way. Um, but it's rough. I, I mean, bulky yarn is, is challenging, I think. It is, but I think I figured it out. <laughs> um, and we took pictures of it today and it looked good, so I'm happy. But I think I'm trying to challenge myself with things I haven't used before in ways I, I mean, I've, I've done it bulky cardigan. That's easy because you just wear it open with something swimming underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I made this into a sleeveless vest. So that you still have sort of proportional parts of you sticking out. Um, but yeah, I, I that's such a hard question to answer. I'm having a tr- I'm having trouble answering. No, that I question. think that it's interesting. I think what I'm hearing is that you're challenging yourself, and I what I'm getting from that is that knitters are always like looking for that challenge too. I think that's why we see things yeah. come up like contiguous um, sleeves or. Um, the designer Elizabeth Doherty has worked on a new set-in sleeve from the top-down uh, construction. Or there's all these different kinds of sock heels. Everybody has like there's yeah. you know thousands of fun. sock heels. It's it's more fun to try something new than it is to continue to to reinvent the wheel a hundred times. Well, I think we um, do two things as knitters. We do the challenging thing that we have going, and then the the comfort the thing we know we can do and sort of keep in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, you sort of answered this earlier that, that uh, knitting hats is like potato chips. And it's interesting that you have, you know, hats are, are gaining on sweaters. I'm, they're faster to make, but I think there's something about knitting hats that probably satisfies or designing hats that satisfies one part and the yeah. design the sweater that, that satisfies a different part. Yes. And a hat, I, can take a really fun hat I want to play with, a motif, and I don't have to worry about, you know, shaping it and figuring it out in 10 sizes. Working the, the crown of a hat, to me, is very fun, mm-hmm. simple, easy. Those come easily. But working a motif as to how to decrease so that it looks nice in your v-neck or where you want to place it on someone's body so that it's flattering, um, those things are bigger decisions than when you 
branch them out into 10 sizes. Um, it's not a potato chip anymore. It can still right. be really fun to do, but it's definitely not something that you're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to knit it and then I'm going to spend two weeks in front of the computer figuring it out as I grade it into sizes. Um, and I had, I'm not going to, not going to even think about it after I, I, I can write it and I'm sort of done. So, so yeah. It seems like your, the hats, your hats have been really popular um, among our listeners and between for even just me and Jenny, my co-host, we were, I think the first week I bought four patterns. Well, I bought the collection, the one beer, one, one bourbon, one, 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 one beer. beer. Um, so I'm almost done with my one beer hat. So I'm excited. I think I'm going to knit the other hat that I bought was black tea. So I think that is going to be the next hat that I knit. But the one beer is my 13th hat. So I'm almost there for 15 hats for this year. Um, wow. Oh, I wanted to talk about the design. We skipped over this part. The design you were working on that that you did the contest for, you have chosen a name and a winner. So I thought I, have. I would let you announce that here. I know it's already on your board, but. Yeah, and she actually sent me her address today. Um, wait, I want to get it so that you can, I want to remember where she's from because it was okay. kind of cool. Okay, so her name was Lindsay. Um her Ravelry name is not in front of me anymore. It's in front of me. Hold on. Oh, wait. It's Moogle Knit. There we go. Um, and she's from Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, so wow. I can't, I mean, to me, like, <laughs> I didn't know that when, we, when I picked her. Because you know that. We had the conversation. We went, oh, she's in Scotland. <laughs> um, but I, one of the best things about this is that this world becomes such a small place. And, and I love that this chicken Scotland was looking at my hat and she came up with a name that actually harkens from um, New Orleans. So her idea was Bywater. Which I think is beautiful. And it's, I just love, I really love the sound of that word. And um, it's a, a drink from the Bywater neighborhood of New Orleans. Um, and it contained, I'm going to remember this, high end rum, which I love. Zacapa, um, my man's sweater mm-hmm. was actually after an amazing high-end rum that my husband drinks all the time. Um, and if you haven't tried a high-end rum, they're like sip and bourbon. They are good. Mm. But so the Bywater um, contains a high-end rum and um, an Amaro, which is a bitter, and chartreuse. And I don't have the actual recipe in front of me. I think orange bitters as well, which that combination is awesome. Um, Sounds great. So I really like the name, and it it just seems to fit the hat. And sometimes I pick the names for these really obscure, weird reasons, and that's when it's really fun to do them. There were some amazing suggestions, though. I'm really not sure what I'm allowed to say online, but um, there were some sweet ones. There were some great ones. <laughs> I agree. Okay. I think the, the, the worst of them all is coming back. I'm not <laughs> done with that one. We'll figure we'll figure something out with it because it was pretty funny. Um, well, Thea, I really want to thank you for participating, and you've been this has been great because you've done a different discount every week this month, and uh, so we're oh. finishing up week three. You can look in our thread for that discount code and for the hats that um, it applies to, and then next week they'll be our last week. And right, and I just I also want to say I am. Um, just waiting on Bywater because it's with my tech editor. Next week, I will do another round of discounts. A couple of people that missed the first week, um, 
have written to me. I know a lot of people don't listen to podcasts sort of the week that they come out. Right. So um, it, I, there are a few people that have written to me and said, I missed this one, I missed that one. So I'm going to pop a few of the ones that have been requested onto the last week's discount as well, even though they were from the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of the design that I designed for you guys, I'm just waiting to get it back from the tech editor. And okay. as soon as I do, I will put that one out and I will have a discount as well. But since I'm not having the time for a proper test knit, there is no way I'm going to try and speed up my poor little tech editor. I'm going to give her enough time to make sure she does a, a, a thorough um, edit of it. So, um, so yeah, next week there will be more. And if awesome. anybody did miss something that they super wanted to knit on the first week that was on the discount, um, or if there's something they haven't seen yet, um, just ping me in the Ravelry group before, you know, the week is out and chances are I'll just throw it on. Okay. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much. It was no, great thank you. you. It's been fun. And bye. bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to Thea. Um, I know I enjoyed, really enjoyed talking to her. As she said in the interview, the Bywater pattern is not quite ready um, as of the time of recording, but hopefully will be soon, definitely um, in September. So watch our thread um, on the hat, Cal, um, for the discount code for the Bywater hat and for next week's hats that are part of the discount code. It's really been um, great. Actually, I need to make sure I pick up the orange soda pattern before that. Uh, discount code expires. So I hope you've enjoyed knitting this month and I am excited to be on hat 13. I for a while thought I might not make it because I dropped off my knitting so much but it's easy now. I only have two more and I got what three months so I'm good. Famous last words. All right thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back soon. Bye. We love to lay with something new From day one, we could not be parted You had me, and honey, I had you We got a little place between us Not much, but we could call it home We lived on beer and kisses all hopped up on love and foam. Get home from work, turn on the lights, sit on the couch, spend the whole night there. Get home from work, turn on the lights, sit on the couch, spend the whole night there. We grew a little couch potato. You said. Didn't flow so free At night You were tired from working You thought All I did was play You drank Your beer in the kitchen I'd sit On the couch and pray Get home from work Get a fight Sit on the couch Spend the whole night there Get in a fight, sit on the couch, spend the whole night there. 
Just bring me beer and kisses. We'll get high on love and foam. Go home from work, make it all right. Sit on the couch, spend the whole night there. 